Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Online at inthisleague.com. Now, here's your hosts, Bogman and the Welsh. What's up, friendos? Welcome in to the In This League Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Chris Welsh. That is Scott Bogman. And welcome to Hell We. Hell We. Week. It's kind of a football Hell thing, but we're doing it for baseball. Hell Week in uh, football was uh, hellacious. It was just horrible drills and all that type of stuff. And uh, we do it for <laughs> our version of it for baseball is doing shows every single day. It's horrible. It's horrific. <laughs> no, it's just a lot. Just a lot, there's a lot for that's us. going yeah. on. Yeah, there's a lot that's going on. And we are dropping Hell Week where every single day there is an In This League episode and they're dedicated to ranks. Everybody else has been out there talking about their ranks, talking about their players. We decided to wait a little bit till spring training started to kick off. We had signings done. I get why people do it early because it kind of works as a filler. It kind of works for people to just like get their podcast going like, hey, we're going to talk about uh, the players and that. And we just have done a million other things with mock drafts and stuff. So today on the episode. Bogman and I are presenting to you corner infielders. So you get two positions we're going to be talking about first and we'll be talking about third and we will be doing this throughout the rest of the week. Have you really prepared yourself for Hell Week for an, a day, an episode every single day? Um, I mean, I haven't, but uh, we get through it every single year. I prep the sheets, so yeah. that's the main important thing for me is just to uh, see it in front of me before we do it. So uh, doing all the sheets for this, uh, kind of refamiliarize myself, and uh, let's go. Let's talk about some players. Do you understand how much of me there is this week in baseball? Like I feel I mean, bad for people. There is so much. You got Hell Week here. You got rates and barrels. No, let's break uh, this down. You got CVS. Five, five days. You say CVS. <laughs> I got CVS, Walgreens, <laughs> HEB, Randalls, Fries, Fries Marketplace. The is there a, is there a bigger ripoff on the planet than CVS? What you don't like twenty eight foot long receipts for one bottle of shampoo? That you <laughs> you're want? like, oh, I got to get some floss, and they're like, okay, that's great. That'll be nine dollars. You're like, what? What are you? T-? And CBS here's a thirteen foot receipt. Yeah, yeah, it's the worst. It's worse. with all the frog chemicals on it. Sorry, they're gonna get no frog. <laughs> Putting the, the frogs in the best buy, and they're gonna be it's a late night. Uh, We're doing this uh, for us, so it is late now. I'm very loopy, but no, five episodes of ITL. Yes, I'm filling in for DVR. So two episodes of Rates and Barrels this week. Seven. Three episodes of Fantasy Pros. Ten. And CBS. Eleven. Not CVS. CBS. Plus, I think there's like a guest appearance on a show. Like, it's like, it's a lot. Like, if you all still like me, if you like (laughs) me after this week, then I think we're okay. We're going to be pretty good. Luckily, it's all going to be very, very different stuff. Did I tell you I had somebody? this This is a cool thing. Um, and it's so weird because of all the things I'm doing, the places that people know me from now, 
and I was on the backfield of the Mariners the other day and somebody came up to me and someone was like, Hey, uh, are you, what is your name? Chris? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, they didn't oh, you ask you if you work for Chris Welsh. No, no, no. Yeah. Not like you. That's what you get. You work for Scott Bogman. And, uh, <laughs> you is, work for me. I really like this guy. And he came out, he's like, Oh man. He's like, I, I've, I've watched you on, uh, CBS. Love seeing you over there. And I think he listens to other shows because he goes, I feel like we're like best friends because I listen to you so much. And I laugh because I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy to find me every single day. And it's uh, for the haters. It's a nightmare. Hopefully for everybody else, it is uh, it is pretty good. And, you know, we'll probably try to sprinkle in some some spring training stuff. These you know, these episodes are kind of actually not really they're not meant to be very time specific. So talking about a bunch of unique things is weird, but no, uh, no positional stuff has really happened in most of the spring training, though. I will tell you one thing. It does not equate to this episode for, uh, for tomorrow, which I will uh, talk to you about, but I do have a little bit of Fernando Tatis jr. News of what I saw over in Padres camp. So when we talk about middle infielders, I will have that, but I don't think I have any really good corner infield stuff. So, we will get to the things. This episode is brought to you by InThisLeague.com. It's our Patreon if you guys want to come and sign up. You want to support In This League. So there's ways you could do it. You could just be like, hey, I like these guys, and I want them to keep doing this stuff. So go and support InThisLeague.com. Sign up at any level. Here's the other thing. When you do that, or if you're someone that just wants the stuff, which I get because we like stuff and Bogman things. We like stuff and things. If you want that, we've got ranks. We've got prospect ranks. We've got dynasty ranks redraft like i mentioned all of those available at like five bucks plus our group me rooms where you can come and hang out with us the community be a part of mock drafts be a part of leagues when we do it discount codes bop, 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 tons of stuff if you like stuff and things you want to support us be a part of the itl army at in this we would greatly appreciate it and thank you guys very much and i will say that i believe we have a shot at breaking the all-time month record of Patreon. We may have already, yeah. but I know we're close. Here will be the big litmus test, though, is when February ends, if we are still over 700. Because that, that happened last month, we got you know, into the 700s, and then we the month new month started, and then we went down. You know what this is? This is so right when COVID happened, we were yeah. hitting a surge. I yeah. mean, we were raising way, way up, we got over 700. I don't know. We're right in this range where we were then. Yep. And then COVID happened. And of course, then, you know, a, a lot of people jumped off. So it just, it only took us three years to get back here. Welsh. It. And, it, uh, and we're back to right where we were. It only took COVID me going started. and working at uh, athletic and CBS and fantasy pros to just get back to where we were before pre COVID. And uh, <laughs> the litmus test will be when the month ends, will we stay? And if we do, that will be phenomenal. So hopefully you guys come and consider checking us out in this league.com. And like I said, there's a bunch of just ridiculously amount of different things. Our ranks are up there. We do post all the updates. And for any prospect people, we are going to be doing the P180Ps coming up here very soon. And I'm trying to like post stuff in the group me rooms. I'll tell you this first week of camps, like I said, like the hitters aren't there. So I'm not really even sure what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to post. <laughs> so I'm kind of getting my feet under myself. But next week, I'm going to hit it even harder, a lot more videos, stuff like that. And we'll tell you all about it. Uh, actually, that's this week because you're listening to this. So this week, I will be hitting a little bit harder. So in this league.com, come and sign up today. We'll be so grateful. We will love you so very much. Let's get into this episode, Bog. So we're going to start with first. We're going to then go to third. 
We're going to give you guys um, our ranks. We'll talk about some of the players, some of the stuff, some of the things. Try not to make it too crazy, but you guys are going to get a feel for what our ranks are going to look like um, as a whole. And because we have these, it's tiered and stuff on Patreon. And we'll just kind of go through some of our favorites, some of the guys that we're not into. So this is going to just be a full talk of corner infield ranks, how we are approaching it in drafts. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We'll take a break and we'll start breaking these down right after this. In this league. Oh, I remember. I love In this league. Yeah, I remember that. And on to first base. So here's a little nugget I have for you, Boggs. I do have a spring training mm. nugget for you that'll equate Drop the nugget infield. So Mariners camp on Thursday, same camp where I got to meet someone who I was their best friend, and now they're my best friend. So we're best friends now. That's great. Uh, Mariners camp over on a far field because it, it, the Mariners camp is actually cool because it's really open. You know, it's like a big. There, there's some camps that are not. White Sox is like you know you want to be around players. You are in like a box. Like there's a fence and a, not too much. The the Mariners you walk in and I mean it is four baseball fields long of like, you can go back to these quads, go over here. So you got a lot of movements. There's a lot of walking. I'm getting my steps in Going to drop some mm. LBs, uh, hopefully in spring, uh, except that there's a Chick-fil-A that's really close by. And those fries are, <laughs> Me and my wife I was going to say, fries. I'll find those pounds that you lose. Don't worry. Yeah, They're yeah, not yeah, going to no, go no, very no, far. I so I could spend the whole day. Like I didn't eat and I'm like walking around drinking water. And then after I'm about to leave and I'm like, Oh, you know, what sounds good. A uh, Chick-fil-A, Fries, a Chick Fil A sauce, and a shake. That sounds really good. Chick Fil A so sauce. I, I Chick Fil A sauce is like one B. I got Polynesian as my one A. Oh, if we're I've talking never about rankings. Tried that. Do they have? Try the Polynesian they have that there. Oh yeah, try the Polynesian. What is it? What's the? I don't know what Polynesian it's a tastes like. Little sweet and soury. Um, mm. l- a little bit like that, but not as sweet. So it's good. Some more uh, sour. You, I'll give it a try. Uh, yeah, g- give it a shot. We'll be at the Mariners or Padres very close by. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure uh, you're not going to have any chance to stop by Chick-fil-A and and run by and grab one. It'll be like twice a week. It'll be like twice a week that I'm at the Mariners (laughs) or Padres. So I'm over at the the Mariners, and and you go back on the far field, and all the big guys, all the guys are here practically. The only guys that weren't here last week were Teoscar Hernandez. I didn't see Ty France either. Everybody else is here. And you've got this field, and it's uh, Julio Rodriguez. To the left is Kelnick. Um, I don't even remember who the other guy was. And And I take this picture, and it was like, you know, I've had some good traction on these pictures and I'm like, Hey, Julio is in camp. Everyone get excited in the picture though. Evan white is taking a grounder using what looks like a first base glove or I'm sorry, an outfield glove. And I didn't even fathom it. And everybody jumps on this and they're like, Whoa, Evan white in the outfield. Is that Evan? And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Oh, you know what? Cause I recalled when he left, he did have two gloves with him, but one was a first base glove. So I tweet out like, Hey, he still had a first base glove. So I don't know if that's true. So I went the next day to the Padres. It died real quick. And then I went back to the Mariners and I caught Evan White after a session and no one was around. And I just asked him, I'm like, hey, uh, are you working in the outfield? And he goes, oh, that's funny. He's like, yeah, there was some picture circulating yesterday <laughs> that my wife found. And and I and I was like real quiet about it. I, I wasn't like, that was me. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, there was some effing guy took a picture of me <laughs> and <laughs> all these loser. people were hitting up my wife. Well, no, his wife found it and he's like, he's, I think he actually, and he's not right about this. I think he said like, oh, that picture was someone else. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. But he said something along the lines of like, 
oh yeah, no, that was blah blah blah. And he's the like Shaggy, it wasn't me. And I'm like, okay. And, and and he's like, but I'm not going in the outfield. He's like, I'm we haven't talked about it. They haven't told me. There's nothing going on about it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you've always been like a gold glove first baseman. He's like, Yeah, unless they have some plan. I don't know anything about it, but no, that wasn't real. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I tweeted about that. So there's your camp corner infield news that mm. I can kind of relate to anybody of the position players that were actually out here. So we don't have to talk about Evan White in the outfield grouping. We just got to talk about all these other guys. Um, the first base position as a whole, when we're going to talk about it, you don't want it with any of these things. Be like, oh, these are so deep, blah, blah, blah. But it just is like, I don't have to tell everybody. The The top is very elite. The middle, I can be honest with you, is not like this huge thing that I'm attempting to do because that third and I'm I'm roughing the tier here because I'm like telling you like Vlad Freeman, Alonzo Goldschmidt, that's tier one. That middle tier is like Matt Olson, Abreu, Pasquantino, blah, blah, blah. But then there's just this big group from like eight or nine all the way down to 16 or 17 that you can make work in a lot of formats like Roto. Like yeah. I can make Josh Bell work. I can make that work if I've gotten a lot of other spots and he's, you know, relatively way down there. I was just looking at where I have him. Let's see ECR. He's, 17. Yeah, that's the exact place I have him. Like he's 17. You can do that. Jose Miranda, solid. Ty France, who I was just talking about, maybe. But like if you can go 17 deep on a position, I think it's okay to call this deep. It, it's a position that you can like screw around with. It's it's not to not draft the top guys, but there is just better ability of players that you can get. And there are some better dart throws than some other places have with a couple rookies that qualify there that are tantalizing i don't know if you agree or disagree but i know it's you know it's kind of widely known as like a solid position which i completely agree with i i would say i'm i'm not on board with it being very deep i, I would say it's it's pretty deep like and especially when we get to third comparatively it, it it's deep i think i might uh, argue first. that i think it might be the deepest single position of all besides starting pitching mm, i think short is I, oh, I okay because i was going to argue with you short at let's say ECR 18 is Javier Baez, but 17 is Nico Horner. Is Nico Horner at 17 better depth than Josh Bell at 17? Yeah, I, well, I don't like Josh Bell. So yes, uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, I also have Josh Bell at 17. Oh, so. Let's use 15 then real quick. 15 is Jeremy Payne at shortstop, which is pretty dang good. And 15 at first base is Rowdy Telez. Yeah, or Rizzo for me. It, it, I well, I was looking short. at ECR. I was looking. I at, would say uh, short is ECR. better uh, to me. So okay. I, I I like short better. I, I just I think there's more short things at short. I think the potential is probably better at first. So we can agree on that. Uh, I, I think the potential for some of these guys uh, to come through. But I'm a, I'm a little worried about you know first base has become more of a rotational position than it has been in the past because first base you used to just have anchors used to have Todd Helton and he's going to play every game and you don't have to make any other move. You know well, what you I mean? You have Todd Helton still. He's, he's called Goldschmidt. I understand, but you used to have multiple of those guys. They were also all doing steroids. So yeah. sure, you know, uh, it, yeah. it, it was better back then. But I just think it's, I don't know, it's fine. I, I, I wouldn't say it's deep. I would say it's okay. But I mean, we're running into problems in a lot of positions because a lot of spots are becoming more rotational. It's just yeah. the way that uh, it's breaking down. So we're going to talk about our we're going to like numerically go through the top 24. We'll give you the numbers. We'll pick some players and stuff. But outside of that, we still have tiers on our Patreon. We've got like 40 deep more, you know, that maybe even a little bit more. I'm not sure. 
that you can check out. And um, the 25 through 36 is interesting because, you know, as Bogman off air put it, like this is like your third tier of 12 teams starting shortstops or technically, you know, your second to third tier in Roto, which I guess means we don't like do it's it probably in like a bench guy. Are you we don't, we don't do it in baseball because there's so many Roto leagues and so many leagues are 15 players deep. But if you're in a 12 man, which is a lot of leagues are 12 man. You know, that's like your first first baseman, your second first baseman, your third first baseman. That's kind of how we tier it. Yeah, exactly. And, and shortstop is, or third base is not deep enough to like, you know, bank on that and bank on those players. You're actually probably banking on shortstops or, or first baseman. Though I would say like when I'm just glancing at the list and I'm looking at like my own. In any of the drafts that we're doing, I don't think I really see anyone from 31 down go at least my 31, but I'm also trying to be relative to like looking at some of the names 31 down. I just don't see them be drafted in, in any of our standard drafts that we do now, I guess sometimes we don't do bench. So maybe you might get a couple of them, but those names just kind of dip down. They are further down. Like, you know, a popular name I, I tend to think about that. We both have pretty low. We are both, um, we are both a lower than ECR consensus. I think is it because you have this red that just means lower. Yeah, yeah. So Jared Walsh is who I'm talking about. Jared Walsh mm-hmm. is ECR 30. And if you and again, if you guys don't know ECR, it's uh, the expert consensus rankings on fantasy pros. We just use that because it's kind of an interesting marker of all of the rankers and where they kind of average out. And Jared Walsh had a moment. He had a moment in 2021 where he hit 21 homers, um, good batting average. Last year, everything fell apart. His strikeout rate went over 30%. His batting average dropped by like 60 points. He, I don't, if I remember correctly, I don't think he could stay very healthy. And the power numbers essentially cut in half. And yeah, he had thoracic outlet syndrome uh, and had surgery for it this offseason. And I think he, like just today or yesterday, declared himself. Uh, much much better or healthier, however he said it. But he just declared it. He's like, I'm good. I'm yeah, good yeah. Go. Well, I mean, like every player does. I'm 100. percent I'm healthy going into spring training. You know, uh, yeah. what a shock! Like you can believe in any of that stuff. But like, there, there's guys like below him that we just are never going to see get drafted. Like we're not going to say like Carlos Santana. We're not going to see. I mean, he's just Aguilar, maybe. Um, Isak Paredes. Like those are guys we just don't see in most typical yeah. 12 or 15 man get drafted. Jared Walsh to me and he's further down for you that's mm-hmm. kind of like maybe one of those names that could slip in but it would be people being comfortable buying back which i'm not i think the strikeout rate is a major problem maybe the you know there's not going to be big repercussions but i if i remember correctly i don't believe the year after thoracic uh what the hell outlet uh, syndrome outlet syndrome <laughs> is a good thing i don't believe the return is i solid think it's more that. for pitchers uh i don't know that we've had too many hitters um have this but yeah i mean it hasn't been great and by the way you said he had a moment in uh what was it 20 uh was that 2021 um yeah moments over he hit 215 last year so i I just you know if he can if he can match it that'd be great i would love to have another first baseman we're confident in moving forward but he is going to be in most leagues a pickup he's not and and that's kind of my point here of like talking about it so a couple names outside of top 25 we'll talk about this is number 30 for me number 28 actually for you i'm actually surprised you're a little bit higher on on him i want to be higher on him and it's spencer torkelson and you know the names i look at above actually there's one other name we'll talk about that i could see flipping here i've got torkelson like i said 30 or 28 ecr is 29 with a high of someone has him as 
20 at first baseman torque last year, obviously a disappointment batting average was completely trash. If you will, uh, eight homers he put up in like 400 plate appearances, but he wasn't striking out in a crazy rate. He was walking a little bit more. And you know, what's funny is if you look at the projections, like they take the bad X, the bad X actually thinks Torkelson is going to be better than Jared Walsh. They think he's going to be better overall last year. The problem was he was just like mid to worse in pretty much everything. Um, I, I looking at his spray chart as well. I could in theory see with the wall coming in, even if it's higher that this might equate to a few more I'm looking at here. Like if you look on his pull side, there's it like should. four that might pull a little bit more. The problem is it was just like really low XBA, really low X Woba, just bad overall solid contact across the board. And he had no moments. You know, we we're talking about Jared yeah. Walsh having a moment. Uh, he had zero moments. There was not a month that he hit. Well, his highest month was 220. He had 197 in the first half versus 219 in the second half and also played way fewer games in the second half because he was so bad. There was nowhere with incredible power. Three homers in his first. Uh, it, it was the most in any month, and he just didn't put it together at any point last season. So it makes him hard to rank because he's such a high-level prospect who well, seemed almost like a can't-miss guy. And then he comes up and just misses. And, you know, time. the big thing for me with specifically him and a lot of these like rookie type of guys is like, I know you can look at what happened last year. I have a hard time believing like that is just the story. Like when I look at this, there's a couple of things I think are encouraging overall, uh, obviously over 110 max EV average exit velocity was in the 90 90s, which is solid. That's what you would like to see. Um, 8% barrel hard hit was over 40%, which I would like to see not worrisome strikeout or walk rates that it's like if all of that was really overwhelming in that first year, if there were changes, which you would hope the team would be just on him. I mean, remember like how Miguel Cabrera openly was like, this guy is going to be a superstar. Like he wanted yeah. to move off of positions out to make sure Torkelson was there. And it's like, I have to imagine the attention there. If there are some changes to be made, I think it could work in a really huge positive way. It's just it's more of a it's more of a dynasty thing for me. It's not really a and it's a risk. I'm interested if you it do take risk. torque, it's because you're relatively safe uh, and you're taking a flyer at this point. So that is that is where Torque's stock is at right now. He's a flyer buy. <laughs> you want to know it's hilarious, too. He actually had one of the worst inverse. Um, oh, no, no, it's actually in the positive. I'm sorry. So he actually had the it's funny. I'm looking at this. His eight homers were actually uh, an expected 11 and a half. So they, okay. they actually marked it as no, it's weird how they do this, by the way. The expected homers, they put minus on there and they should put plus. I don't know. It's home run. I think it's because he's run. down three and a half from where he should have been. Yeah, but so. I just don't like that. I got if it, it's I just a little quirk about Savant I look at that and it's like you should put positive because to me, that's a positive expected home run differential no, I where I'm not going to put is saying drafted higher or lower. You have to say oh drafted before or after. Just say before yeah. or after. You do that sometimes and I'm just like, I, my brain starts to melt and I'm like, and I'm just like, who's <laughs> drafted uh, higher in number numerically? Like it, it rattles my brain. So Torkelson is one of those guys I think is unique. Uh, I just want to mention him. Another one I want to mention and I want to get some guys of yours, Boggs, was Matt Mervis. Matt Mervis had all the helium in the world. But I, I'm I'm gonna come back to this, which I've been I've I'm saying in November here. I was saying November on CBS. The Cubs have been telling us something, 
and they've been trying to tell us the whole time as everyone was freaking out about it that they there's something they don't trust and they yeah. brought in Hosmer they I don't even have Mancini. him on my list dude they just brought in Edwin Diaz or Edwin Rios former first yeah. base uh, just some flexibility and stuff are they and the big thing is like if Matt Mervis was incredible is Eric Hosmer enough to keep Matt Mervis off the roster no but the Cubs are actively actively putting a roster together that doesn't look like it has Matt Mervis in mind, who's not on the 40 man. So I would, I at one point had him much higher. I had him into the, Everybody the early twenties, but I'm moving well, going him down. into the off season. They had nothing at first. It was Mervis's job. And then they got Hosmer they got Trey Mancini. They got Edwin Rios. Like they got plenty of guys that can play this position. You're absolutely right. Um, if, if, if he does play this year, it's going to be what July at the very earliest. So no, I think he does. I, I know he plays this year. I will say this. There's a possibility that this, t they could bring him up. If you want to talk about control, maybe they don't bring him up until late May or June. Like, I think that's a possibility. If he's tearing up triple a, like he did, I mean, famously, we can keep going through this with Matt Mervis. Matt Mervis did what, I mean, I, I think it should be a pillar marker to valuing players. And sometimes I think I undervalued it with like Connor Norby, but this dude lowered his strikeout rate at, he went three levels in 2020, lowered his strikeout rate at every single level, increased his walk percentage at every single level, which is absurd. He maintained an almost 300 ISO at every single level. And he had over 70 homers and doubles combined and he went to the afl mashed a little bit more I and mean, what he did was incredible but there's something the cubs don't trust and i think the bat can get a little bit wide i maybe they don't trust him defensively they don't want to throw him in at dh just quite yet there's just something there what this actually this reeks of control to me this reeks of control like why would this team of all teams okay you got dansby swanson cool good for you guys got cody bellinger good for you you're not a competing team this reeks of control to me that you would bring in. Uh, I don't care about Mancini, but you bring in Hosmer and bring in Edwin Rio. So at the end of the day, I'm just not super interested, even though there's big power. So I've moved him down, though I am above ECR. That might change. And I'm very excited to see what happens in camps. But he's 32. I've got him at 29. And I didn't realize you didn't have him on the list. Yeah, I don't have him on the list. I, I don't know when he plays, if he plays. Because like you said, yes, it's about control. They know they're not winning this year. If he starts out slow, if he stumbles... Uh, in the beginning, it's going to take injuries to get him up, which could happen. I mean, we've seen Eric Hosmer miss games in the past, but I just I don't know if he comes up because also, you know, why wouldn't you want to save him for next year? He's a great prospect. Put him in at the beginning of next year and then have that chance to, you know, get the extra pick. And, or when the Cubs are stinking, if the Cubs are stinking, you just get out of Hosmer midway through. You let it, you cut him and let him go somewhere and then you maybe have him at first or Mancini at first and like he's going to get playing time he's cool in draft and hold I think he's a lot tougher in every other format you definitely would want to use your fab or waiver wire stuff to pay attention to him or if you have any spots or something like that hold I just don't think he's a great out of camp guy so he is moving down the list like I'd rather have Trey Mancini like I think Trey Mancini is he's one of those guys that was on that top 10 most suppressed homers uh because of Baltimore you know like the like the same number I just talked about with Torkelson the expected home run differentials there were three Orioles that were on there. He was one of those guys that was in there and going over into the Cubs spot, I think is actually a really cool one. He might have some RBI opportunities. I think Mancini is kind of sneaky and I've got him uh, at, I, I kind of feel like I might have him below. I have him at 28. 
You've got him at 27. ECR is 27. So someone to take a look at. A couple guys in this outside uh, the top 24 range that intrigue you. Uh, I mean, Garrett Cooper is probably uh, one of my favorites. And, and it's, I got him at 31. Um, and really what it is, is I'm not like, I'm not in love with Garrett Cooper and what he does on the field. I like where he is projected to hit in this lineup. Roster Resource right now has him hitting cleanup for the Marlins. So he would be hitting behind Arise, Segura, and Jazz. That's a pretty good spot to be in. It's a pretty Just damn good spot. Ahead of uh, Avisail, Jorge Soler, Joey Wendell, Brian De La Cruz, they got down there at eight. So maybe some things can shift around. And I know, you know, Ross Resource does their best, but uh, lineups are never 100% sold or anything. So I just like this spot that he's in, and he's decent. I wouldn't sit here and call him Brady hit nine homers last year in 119 games. All of his projections are around 12 to 15. Uh, between steamer and the bad X and zips and ATC and everybody. So I, I just, that's a great RBI spot. He does enough to stay there. And you know, the bottom of this lineup is weird. So could he move down and not be a lot? Sure. But if he hits cleanup for this team, that is a great spot for run to be driven in and driving runs. They don't really have like also like positionally. I think they put themselves in a good spot because he's you know he's going to be playing I believe first base right for the yeah. Marlins. Is mm-hmm. he locked in as a first baseman? So yeah. I mean I, I know we're talking about corner, but sometimes that doesn't mean anything. He also was an outfield guy, but like they don't have like the depth that's going to take away. You know there was rumors at one point like maybe JJ Blade would have been one of those guys. That's not the case. I actually think they're underselling. Maybe like the bad X is underselling the RBI opportunities to what you mentioned. He gets more games. I think it's a really slick spot. I like him in fifteen team roto. I do. I think the average average is a little bit better than some of these other first basemen that are kind of stinky. Um, the guy has for four straight years hit over two sixty. He's hit two eighty three of the last four years. Last year was his lowest but his strikeout percentage was kind of dipping. And he's, I mean, what was that lineup again? It was Luis Arise, Gene Segura, and Jazz Chisholm all hitting in front of him? Yep, yeah, they got it right now. Arise leading off, Segura two, Jazz three. And Cooper Deeper League, 15-team roto. So you look at Garrett Cooper. Who else you got on this list? I want you to talk me into Tristan Casas because what I see is a guy that came up, had a cup of coffee, was bad, and now is projected to be maybe a platoon player with Bobby Dahlback uh in boston so talk me into tristan costas because i know the power is uh unbelievable so that should make the upside limitless but i don't know man i just sell me he's well he's not gonna be in a platoon with bobby dahlbeck i don't know if you know this in the camps they were talking about working bobby dahlbeck i think at second and at short I mean, he's a big freaking boy why they, would they, they want to move around him at short I, I think they just want to move around uh, that Welsh, i want you to play short I think I could play short, probably. How about that? Yeah. I don't think I have a lot of range. <laughs> yeah. I could play. I mean, a, I a, play road, a road cone could play short. You can <laughs> stick a, a glove on it, but it's not going to have a lot of movement. You just need to have a gold glove third baseman and second baseman around me, and I could play some solid short that have, they have a really good range. No, I think Tristan Casas has the gig, and I, I don't read anything into, like, I don't care about what his batting average was in, like, 20-something games last year. What I think is more intriguing, over 200 ISO, under 25% K rate, over 20% walk rate that he put up last year, which is really, really solid. Um, he's We saw him in the AFL, and he's like a really exceptional hitter, really smart guy. I love 
the way he's kind of a technician as well. He's one of those big analytical guys um, that is really into studying their own swing. And he's kind of got like a mechanism to the whole thing that I think he's just one of these guys that is going to be able to succeed. I mean, in the minor leagues, he definitely didn't blow everything away, but you know what he kind of did? He kind of had a little bit of a uh, Rafael Devers in where like he would go to a level, maybe struggle, and then he would find his way through it. Like AAA, 2021, he only hit 242. 2022, he ended up hitting 273 when he was there. Um, a ball hit over 400. There's big, huge power. It's light tower power. I think it's a great environment for Boston. I, I don't think they have any other viable options they want to take off the board. Uh, there were some trade rumors in the past that they didn't want to include him. I don't think there's a ton that he has that we can speak to right now that's like, hey, it's this and this, but similar to Torkelson, it's like over 40% hard hit percentage. And I think he's going to hit for better, way better average than Bobby Dahlbeck or anybody else. Yeah, I don't Bobby Dahlbeck was terrible. I, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to sell anyone a Bobby Dahlbeck at all. I, I thought, you know, if he starts out hot, great. You know, uh, he's the guy, he gets the run. If he doesn't, then they'll they'll find something. Uh, you know, they'll find another first baseman. They're not hard to come by. Well, they might find one so, in free agency, but that, that, not well, that's what I'm it. saying. Or trade for one, or bring somebody else up. You know, uh, if he's really struggling, like he did last year. But, but I mean, yeah, the the potential is there. Counter to your I, point, though, if they wanted someone else, they would have traded for someone else. This is a that's commitment. True. I think. Yeah, they're going to give him the run. Yeah, I just see seven hitter, bad lineup. Uh, you know, struggled last year, but like you said, the power's there. The yeah. you know, he comes up to a level, he struggles. You know, it, the the problem is, is any any guy that comes up for like thirty to forty games and struggles, you're somewhere in between. Are you Jared Kelnick, sure. who came up and struggled and was still awful, or are you Mike Trout, who came up and struggled and is MVP? Right, like you're somewhere in between there. Where are you? That yeah. that's the thing with costs. And so. and it's way too small of a sample. It's really funny. The baseball is, savant picture. If you look at him too, you can see it's a picture of him choking up the bat, which is something he actively does in two strike counts. It's not one of those guys, and that's the difference between him and Bobby Dalbeck. Bobby Dalbeck is swinging through his shoes. He knows his job is hit ball far. Tristan Casas is a hitter. He's a calculated hitter that has early approaches. And he has a completely different two strike approach. And you can see it when he's choking up on the bat, trying to make contact. And he is, um, it's like farm boy strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like farm. No, he's got light tower power. I know that that's like the, the thing that everybody knows about Casas. My thing is if he struggles for two months, what happens then? No, sure. Well, but I I just don't think the Red Sox are in a place where they're going to make any moves and you hurt the development unless to your point, unless it becomes Torkelson, but low strikeout rates, um, a double A and uh triple A 2021 over under 20%. I mean, I think on average, he's around a 15% walk guy. So there's a lot of good stuff in there. He he provides a lot of protection, which I think we could both like. All right, let's go to 24 through 13 box. I will give you mine starting with Will Myers at 24. I've got Joey Manessis at 23, Josh Naylor at 22, at 21. Miguel Vargas. Oh, yes. I'm in on Miguel Vargas. Tristan Costas is actually my 20th, followed by Brandon Jury at 19, Ty France at 18, Josh Bell, Jose Miranda at 16. So then the start of my uh, 15-team Roto starting first baseman is Rowdy Telez at 15, Andrew Vaughn at 14, and Anthony Rizzo at 13. For me, I've got Will Myers at 24. We move up to Seth Brown at 23, Brandon Jury at 22, Luisa Rise at 21, Joey Manessis at 20, Jose Miranda at 19, 
Cronenworth, Bell, Rowdy, Telez, and then my 15 to 13 would be Rizzo, Mountcastle, and Ty France. One of my favorite dudes right now to draft is just no shocker. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but it's Miguel Vargas. Um, I think he is Joe and I were doing these episodes um, on fantasy pros of like, called like the ultimate guide. And in it, it would be like, you know, here are the guys like the sleepers here, are the bus, and here's the must haves. I'm starting to think Miguel Vargas might be floating in the must haves for me. I know it's dangerous because he's a rookie and you want to be careful about all rookies. But like Miguel Vargas will not play first base. I mean, he might, you know how the Dodgers work, but he is set at this moment to be the starting second baseman. So first off, you're going to get the extra qualifications, which is butamous. Miguel Vargas also, similar to Tristan Casas, has got the type of approach that is a floor. And what I mean by that, under 20 in the minor leagues, he had an under 20% strikeout rate at every single level except a ball in 2018 as an 18 year old, which was 22%. He walks a bunch. He has hit over 300 at probably at least half of his stops in 2021 alone. He hit 314 at uh, a ball or high a, and then double a, he went and hit 321. And in 2022, he hit 300 again. He can steal a little bit where he's still 16 last year. He hit 17 homers, makes really good contact. He's in a phenomenal, phenomenal lineup that gets the best out of everybody and he's really versatile. Miguel Vargas is undersold because I think people don't quite understand where he needs to be. He's an ECR 26. I have him at 21. He's inside my top 200, and his highest on, on the ECR is actually 16, which is getting borderline, but I don't hate it because he will get second base qualification. I love Miguel Vargas this year. I think he's super sneaky, and he's going to be really you know position flexible because in a lot of spots, he's already going to probably be first base and outfield. Think on the offense. That's a guy. Maybe second base. I mean, you like him over um over Casas, right? No, you have him one spot below Casas. I like him over Casas because that might change. By the th way, there's there's other spots that he can play. He can play first, second, outfield. Like he like you just said, he's versatile. So you know, even if he struggles, if a guy needs a day off, all right, let's put him in there. You know what I mean? Like I, he's going to get uh, kind of like Jake Cronenworth did. Uh, you know, when he initially came up, he's going to find enough playing time by moving around or if he's just too good to start, he's never going to come off a second. So, uh, you know, I think there's multiple avenues to playing time for him. Whereas, you know, Casas, if you're not good at no. first and you're not hitting, you know, though, I will say like what I'm waiting for is a little bit of good positive spring. That's all I'm waiting for. Cause I, when I'm looking at this, I think I can get him up to 18. I, I think, think that'll I mean, boost him way up because he's in the Dodgers line, like one through nine in the Dodgers lineup is an amazing spot to be. So, 100%. you know, uh, but that's what it, I'm saying. It's like, I'm waiting for like, I think as everybody is, but yeah. I'm more confident that I can move him up to 18, maybe even 17, but the Dodgers have options. Like if they wanted Chris Taylor could be there. They're talking about Mookie Betts at second base. They just signed Peralta and you have Mookie. So you have one outfield spot with Trace Thompson and James Outman. So like, they don't have all of the spots and they're putting him at a position that wasn't what he naturally did in the minor leagues. He would, you know, when I saw him in complex in like 2018 or whatever the hell it was, you know, he was a first baseman and then he moved and played outfield. Like second base is going to be a new gig. What if he defensively can't play that position? What if there's a struggle there and they're uncomfortable with it in season? Then what do you do? You know, is he now in a platoon in the outfield? So I just want a few more answers but I'm making the bet on Miguel Vargas right now. And that's why I have him at 21 pretty extensively higher than anybody else has. As far as ECR goes, uh, give me a guy you got here in 13 to 24. 
Um, I mean, I like Ty France a lot. I have him. Wow, very I didn't high. notice that. Yeah, I, I just he's gonna you know projected to hit two in the middle of the Mariners lineup. Uh, you know, uh, wedge between Julio and Suarez. I think that's a good spot to be in. I think that lineup turns over a lot, so hitting two is great for him. Um, you know he's got power. You uh, what do you call him? Forearm porn or something before? So. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he's a stocky thick dude. Yeah, Crazy. thick boy. We like that. So yeah. um, uh, I just like him in that lineup. I think it, it's a great spot for him to be in. What I really don't like here, though, is I feel like I just don't have a whole ton of confidence after like Miranda in this, you know, maybe even maybe even I'll throw Miranda in it because I don't particularly like him either. Uh, just I, I'm below ECR, not by you a don't lot. don't like but Miranda? Yeah, yeah, overall, I don't really like him either. I'm lower on him and more in the overall than I am positionally. See, this um, might be one of those situations because this is really funny. We're kind of flipped. I don't have Miranda as high as you have France, um, mm -hmm. but I've got and I have France a little bit higher than you have Miranda, but I have Miranda overall over higher. high France. I got him two spots higher. And, and again, I don't mean to like retread stuff I've talked about before, but like, you know, with Miranda, I think there's more power to boot for not again. This is just like these other guys, crazy low strikeout percentage, good walk, tons of contact throughout the minor leagues. Stolen bases are kind of null and void. And one of my favorite things was his two strike approach, which I really hope continues this year. Cause I talked about it a decent amount. 241 batting average and 02 counts, which is insane. If you think about it, maybe the most insane one. And I, I noted this against Mookie Betts. He had a 300 average against three two counts last year in his rookie season. Think about getting that. His, Think about yeah, getting how, his pitch and hitting it. How insane that is. I mean, you get him to three balls, by the way, he is getting on base. 455 batting average and 30 counts, 318 and 31 counts, and 308 against three two counts. All of that, like low strikeout rates, he is a great contact hitter. And I think he has more power than Ty France with flexibility. Think, so that's why I like him so much. I think you might see me lower overall on twins. And it's because I don't particularly love the lineup. I mean, you know, if you look at it from, from opening day, it looks pretty solid. I mean, Buxton leading off is great. They got Correa back. Great spot for them. Uh, Polanco's a hitter. Kepler's got some power. It looks good, but... When Buxton misses games and Correa misses games and Jorge Polanco has no power and Max Kepler hits a slump and there's nobody behind him. I mean, Joey Gallo's uh, the guy behind him. So unless yeah. he takes a big tick up, Alex Kirloff, you already said, needs robot wrists. And it's Christian Vasquez and Nick Gordon. So like it, this could get ugly quick. So that's another thing that I don't particularly love. Is the lineup? This might be a bet. Well, we might have to put this down. I on would a, love to do a, that. A tie France versus uh, Jose Miranda bet for the season because, like, five by five, I like that. Yeah, I, I think this is it because, like, for, as much as I like France, I like France when like. No one I mean, else if you switch these guys, I would have them opposite. If you put, it, you know, if you put Miranda in Ty France's spot and Ty France in Miranda's spot, I would actually, I'd probably be higher on Miranda than I am on France because I like. Oh, so like you think this is better? This is but, truly but about spot for you. It, it really is. You know, um, I just, you know, are you, how many more homers is Miranda going to hit? Can, is he getting up to 30? Um, I don't, well, I, I wouldn't say uh, he did that in the minors. I believe in his big minor league year. He's doing it if, this year. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he's projected. I don't think so. 
Well, and that's fine. Right? And, I, and I, I could see and, why. And you... I don't know if he's getting to 25. And, and I think France, like, I don't think France is cap. Yeah, I think he, he, I don't think he get more than 25 probably. So, you know, it, it's kind of, they're fairly equal. Um, I like Miranda, the player better. Um, I don't know if I like him better at this point in his career. Uh, you know, sophomore slump is a saying for a reason. And I hate the lineup around him. So I think it's, you know, in terms of the player, sure. I like Miranda a little better as a player than Ty France, but the the spot in the lineup, I really, I don't care for it. So we just kind of capped out. I think we kind of capped out a little bit with Ty France um, just overall. Like he hit 20 homers last year, but like, do you think Ty France is going to hit 30 homers? Like there's no chance. No, like he, no. He, I Like maintained... I just said, I, I think 25 is his absolute peak, right? Well, and but Miranda could, could hit more than that. I just don't think he does it this year. That, Check that's this out. All. He is within 0.14 ISO across his entire career. He has never varied beyond 0.014 on his ISO ever. ever. So there's no ever. meat on the bone. Yeah, 20 homers was none. his cap. He he kind of similar to Miranda, doesn't strike out a whole bunch, which I still like Ty France. I believe the power potential is higher on Jose Miranda, who maintained 200 plus ISOs. Yeah, so it was the 2021 season by the way, where he hit 30 homers across AA and AAA as a 23-year-old. He hit 15 last year. He actually had a three home run expected differential in his favor this past year while only playing 125 games. So that would have got him up to 18. I know the projections are not as favorable on him. I think he's going to push 20 this year. And I think he's going to hit for a high batting average. It's pretty wild to see the. I'm not sure anyone has a bigger variance between the batting average, by the way, on the projection systems. The bat X, of course, just keeps him at the absolute lowest of any of them. But Miranda had a higher higher hard hit percentage than the uh, any of the first basemen we've talked about so far. By the way, forty two point four percent is rookie that's year. Part of it for me too is I know what I'm getting from France, and because I don't like the guys underneath Miranda, you know, Miranda's kind of like that last spot. I'd rather just get France. You think like and Julio and Teoscar is a better thing to bet on than Buxton and Correa? What like because of injuries? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, I not even because of the injuries, not. but I, I think that's a better duo anyway and yeah. the injury potential for those guys. So, yeah, uh, a couple of like we both have Will Myers in here. We both maybe we're being overblown, but like Great American Ballpark, like great place to hit. To Will Myers is going to be in a solid spot. Uh, he's low on all the stuff. ECR, he's 31. We put him at 24. Like he's just a though. Ironically, we've always drafted him as an outfielder, and that's probably how we'll always approach it. But He's just a sneaky bet. He's a sneaky one of those guys to get in there. Uh, anybody else that we want to hit here? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of intrigued by Rowdy Telez. You know what's funny was, I think, on one of those episodes we did on Fantasy Pros, Stamfel loved Rowdy, and Joe had Rowdy as a bust. And Rowdy, to me, feels like you... I feel like you and I have fought over Rowdy when we've <laughs> missed the other group. Even to the point, if we've got a first baseman and you're trying to get that corner, when you see yeah, Rowdy out yeah. there... You want to jump on it. 219 batting average in uh, 2022. Every projection system has him over 240 this year. 20% strikeout rate, which he's maintained for two straight years. Every projection system with it. Every system, by the way, with the bat X included 30 more homers. I mean, this is XBA was 252 last year. Yeah, that's a better. That's a better. I mean, that's and a, no shift. Th this is a guy that that should get. I mean, I know that the shift has been broken down, and it's really like whatever three to seven hits 
over the entire season or whatever that really is going to adjust. So it's bigger overall for the game, you know, uh, a hit or two a game or whatever. Yeah, uh, but don't be. We don't need to be. Dis- we're not. You're not being dismissive of it because he he's. I mean, it's it's going. No, no, no. I I look with, with the shift without shit. I don't care. It, it is exp- expected batting average last year was two fifty two. He had two nineteen. So it's going to improve. Like yeah. I think a two thirty five minimum. He had thirty five homers last year. That's a guy that you could see push forty. And best part, Welsh three hole hitter for Milwaukee. That's yeah. a good spot to be. I in, agree. Man. Yeah, he didn't have a, a massive, massive improvement, but he uh, on shifts he had a three eighteen woba, three thirty eight on non shifts last year. So that take take that in with the expected. Can we start uh, saying I don't give a shift? Higher. Is that yeah, okay? I don't give a shift. Yeah. Well, that yeah. would be um, I don't give a shift. Would be oh who the um, MJ Melendez? He would be the I don't give a shift guy. <laughs> but Telez is one of those guys that. Everything is working in his favor for average to boost back up with 30 plus homer power. And you get him like, where the hell is he going? He, where I don't have the overall on here, but he's 15th on ECR. I have met 15. You have met 16. So you hate him. I, I own him now. And <laughs> he's one of those guys that's outside the top 100. There's a ton of potential. I want him as a, I want him as my corner infielder, like every single time. And if I screw up on first base, I'm probably I've got a couple other tiers of guys, but I'm probably looking at Rowdy Telez. All right, uh, let's go to our top 12, Bogman. Give me 12 to 1. Uh, 12, I got Andrew Vaughn. 11, CJ Crone. Uh, Reese Hoskins at 10. Then Vinny P, Christian Walker, Nathaniel Lowe, uh, Jose Abreu, Matt Olson, Goldie, Alonzo, Freeman, Vlad. I have got CJ Cron at 12, Nate Nathaniel Lowe, uh, quite a bit lower than you. I didn't realize I had him so low compared to everybody because I do have Ryan Mountcastle pretty high at 10, Reese Hoskins at 9, Christian Walker at 8, Vinny Pasquantino at 7, followed by Jose Abreu at 6, and then the same crew as you, Matt Olson, Goldschmidt, Alonzo Freeman, and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. at the top. So at the top real quick, like Vlad and Freeman are one, two punch. Really, all of these guys are just punches to me. I will admit that Freddie Freeman is someone that I really feel like I'm targeting more. Like if I get Vlad, that's great. But like you can get Freddie Freeman in the second. If I'm on the wheel, I am ideally trying to get one of the outfielders that fall in Freddie Freeman almost every single time. Now, it's nothing yeah. against Vlad. Vlad is maybe the most favorable projection guy you've ever seen coming off of like a mid-year. He, he not he was good, but he wasn't the Vlad from the year No one believes his down year is basically what it is. A lot of the no time... No projection system believes yeah. his down year. <laughs> a lot not of times you have a problem like Adolis Garcia will have a problem with projections because he's done it two years in a row now and they're still kind of disrespecting him. Vlad is the opposite. It's yeah. like he had a down year. Everything says he's going to be much better, so let's just project him for what but, he usually did. Freddie Freeman had this like insane low power output that he improved in the second half, which let me pull those up because that was one of like the crazy things about him. Everybody was like, Oh, what are we going to do with Freddie Freeman in the first half? He had, uh, well, yeah, cause he had 13. Well, I guess it must've been the first. Yeah, here it was. He had four homers walking into June. That was very <laughs> worrisome for a lot of people. And, uh, he ended up though maintaining a 300 batting average across both months and he only finished with 21 homers, which had everybody a little bit concerned. But you come back to like projection systems again. Everybody's got him over 25 for the most part. 
almost a 300 batting average, low strikeout, high walk, one of the best team contexts to be on. I mean, is the there a player back. that you can just uh, has a higher floor than Freddie Freeman? Nope. That That's the point with him. That's what's so crazy. So here's another thing. If I'm in, let's say I'm on the wheel and I'm in, I know he's like not he's points as a whole thing and maybe even wrote us up, but like if I'm on the wheel, if I take Bobby Witt, I want yes. Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is the greatest compliment to volatility that you could possibly get. And he's just good. And I don't have to. He also to allows you to take a crack at Buxton or, uh, you know, a player with insane upside that hasn't put it together or you're worried about or whatever. He a lot. He affords you that. Yeah, uh, and you don't have to blanket him too. as like, oh, he's just a safe option. No, he's really good. He, he is. Double well, he's got upside too. Year. But, but yeah, the it was floor like, is insane. I mean, really, it was kind of like Goldie. I mean, that's a, yeah. also a, a play for Goldie here. So Freddie Freeman is a great piece. Uh, Pete Alonzo, obviously fantastic. Goldie being a little bit undersold in draft spogs. I do believe he's the one still... where no one expects him to do what he did last year. And I, yeah. I'm with that. I mean, for him to repeat MVP numbers would be very, very surprising. Yeah, I mean, I agree to repeat the numbers. The problem is, is you got to find, okay, what's the level? Last the As good as he was this year, I'm going to give you the differences between the two years. He had four more homers this year than in 2021. He had four more runs this year. He had significant RBI, 16. He had five less stolen bases, and he had like a he less than 20, 20 batting average better, difference. Though. Yeah, exactly. He struck out more. He walked a little bit more. What did he, well, I'm sorry, what did you say? He had 23 points better this year than last year. 23 point what? It, 20, 23 points in average better. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I thought it was a little bit under 20. So there was a boost in batting average and a boost in RBI. He lost stolen bases and power and runs are, I don't know. I just don't think they're, I, I think it's kind of null and void. The dude has hit over 30 homers. Five straight years. Is he still undersold because of his terrible three months? Sure. A couple years I back. So. Is, is yeah, that I still think, what we're doing? I think he's also older, you know, 34 yeah, years sure. old, 35 year old competing at that level is kind of hard, but you get him, I think at a pretty decent discount. There are someone in the rankers that have him as the number one first baseman. Uh, you and I have him at four. He is ECR four. Ironically, you and I have the top six and we probably are, um, manipulating the ECR a little bit as well, that the top six of ours is what the ECR is as well. Cause we have, I think it's really hard to argue with the top five, at least, you know, yeah. uh, even in that order, maybe you flip Freddie and Vlad, you know, maybe uh, Goldie can go anywhere in there, I guess. But I, I just think that just feels right to me. That top five. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, I have struggled with because I just really like, the approach. And I think he got dogged on a few things. One of the biggest problems and why I have him higher is that expected home run differential. It was like the highest in all the baseball, but it was also clearly uh, Baltimore that was suppressing it. Uh, projection systems, bat X has him hitting more homers, more runs, more RBI, a higher, bat. I mean, literally he's better across the board, which is something to take a look at when you're looking at him that I've kind of been a focal point of, a lot of what I've looked at, he had an expected batting average, only almost 30 points higher last year, 250 with an expected 277. He had a 423 slug with an expected 509 slug. Every expected stat worked in his favor to be better. He barreled up the ball more. He had a career high hard hit percentage. 
Uh, his average EV was over two miles per hour harder last year. I think Ryan Mountcastle is on the precipice of a breakout, and that is why I've got him higher. And it, unfortunately, it, it dropped Nate low, which Nate Lowe had a great year. And I guess this is just a product of ranking that I'm looking at. I didn't realize I was this low. I didn't realize he was seven on ECR. And the more I look at it, I will tell you, Boggs, I don't know if I'm super interested in Reese Hoskins. I don't think I've ever drafted him in any draft. And I can yeah. see myself dumping off of Hoskins to get Nate Lowe. That might be a change I make. I might move Hoskins below Mount Castle and uh, Lowe here. Me and I think to to um, obviously to most of the rankers, according to ECR, it's a tier of and Abreu started in this tier, but has since moved past it of Nate Lowe, Vinny P, Christian Walker, Reese Hoskins and Crone. Crone is kind of he's the opposite of Abreu where Abreu is been moving up. He's been moving. Crone has been moving down. But that group of Lowe, Walker, Vinny P and Hoskins is kind of interchangeable. To me, I have Nate Lowe at the top of it. I think there's more meat on the bone for him uh, in terms of power because uh, he's just seeming to develop it right now. Uh, and that was a change in launch angle he made last year, I believe. And um, he just looks so good. I love Christian Walker, too, mainly because of the second half here uh, where he hit 204 in the first half, 285 in the second half with all we that power. We talked about that a lot. Worst he's never coming of off. He's never coming the off the field half. either. Gold glove. Yeah. But yeah. Worst, worst bab in all of baseball in the first half. And then I think in the second half, he ended up hitting like 280 or something and completely brought it all back. Yeah. It was just crazy. Uh, you know w- what he had there. CJ Crone. I mean, a lot has been made a sleeper in the bus specifically. Paul Spore talked about it on our show here. when We had him on for jeopardy about the home road splits for CJ Crone that it kind of made him ugly. And Vinny P was getting that off season hype. But now I think people are afraid of the the power potential for him. Yeah. So he's uh, been it, slipping. And Hoskins it, definitely has that. But Hoskins is, you know, he's an all-power guy. You know, the batting average is going to dip a little bit if you have him. So. Cardi definitely poured some water on it. I, I will tell you, like, the more I look at Vinny Pasquantino, I guess I have him a little bit higher. If I were, if you were to really pen me down, like, how much better is Pasquantino than even Rowdy Telez? Because if you look at categories, I think Rowdy's going to win three of them. And I, th- I think unequivocally, then Vinny's got to come down, right? Well, unequivocally, Pasquantino's going to win batting average. I think he's going to be one of the higher batting average guys. But the question is going to be, where is the impact? Will the power be a huge impact? He had an over 250 ISO at every minor league stop. He had 151 in his major league start. And I think he had a few homers, um, three or four that worked in his favor at expected home run differential. Great. But if you're a 25 homer guy, that team stinks and yeah. I'm a little bit worried about the runs in RBI. Maybe we're, I'm making excuse against him when I give it in favor of Bobby Witt. And well, the reason know, he, he has Vinny higher is because his floor is still higher, even as a second as a player guy. and as yeah. a player, he, he's yeah. a under, he had 11% strikeout rate in the major leagues. He had a higher walk percentage than strikeout percentage in his major league debut and hit 295. All of that's great, but I don't know if, the team around him is going to be able to push those run in RBI. And I don't know if the power is going to be bigger than some of these guys. So where you have some of those differentials, if Rowdy becomes a 250 hitter, he's going to have more homers. He's going to have more runs. They're going to have more RBI most likely than Vinny. Vinny might be a unicorn though. And he, if he ends up hitting <laughs> yeah. 30 homers and he just drives everybody in, in front of him, if there are guys there, Do you then think- Vinny's going to be the guy. Do you think Vinny, uh, are you getting, um, are you buying Vinny at price or is he a deal 
where where he is right now. I actually think he's kind of at price. And you know what's okay. unique? He's one of the few guys that cooled. Uh, he's not the type of guy that would cool. Yeah, yeah. He's the type of guy that would come up. I think the projections and Cardi and a few people have brought him down that his cost is still low. It's It goes into the 80s or 90s. And, you know, like if I miss out on a Bregu, like I'm kind of cool if I get a discount on, on Vinny because usually that's a guy you'd have to pay into the 60s. And I don't think he's warranted to draft somewhere in the 60s. And someone has him as a six first baseman. So that's going to be probably relatively high. And those are what our first baseman look like on the first part of this. So let's take a break. And now we are going to have a probably a quicker conversation about third baseman because it's it uglier. <laughs> quite like this. We'll do it right up to this right here on ITL. Welcome in this league. I love you. Ready to party. So then third baseman, one thing is not like the other on the corner infield. I'm going to take a guess that in your league, if you have corner infield, I'm going to take a guess that mm, eight out of 12 spots on your corner infield will not be filled by a third baseman. <laughs> you will have their base starting, but where you can really get these guys in as uh, corner or depth or anything like that, it falls apart so much so that I would argue from a level of comfort, if I don't have one of the top eight first baseman maybe nine I actually see a change or two i might make out of this if i don't have like a nine or ten let's just stop there ten i think you're in trouble and if you play in a roto league and there's 15 deep you're gonna have to get creative and what that creative thing looks like and i'm kind of jumping ahead here that for me if i have to get creative at third base my creative is most likely going to be rookie high upside and boring old loser and and if you want a name, <laughs> it's probably Jordan Walker and Justin Turner. That's probably, or Josh Young and Anthony Rendon. That's me getting sneaky with it if I don't get one of the top guys because sure, there's dudes and guys might bounce back. But listen, outside of the top 24, I'm going to just throw out a couple of the names. Ha-Sung Kim, who I like. That's not a starter. Evan Longoria with the Diamondbacks is not going to play every day. Yandy Diaz is fun and ranked higher, but he's empty. He's a better real life player. Patrick Wisdom, Josh Donaldson, Luis Rangifo, Eduardo Escobar. These are not great options. They're bench options at best. Every single one of these guys that I have on here, maybe Sands, if you could be a believer that y'all Moncada now can ever get back. That's the only name of any of these players it's not good unless you are so hellbent that there is a breakout potential out of any of these, which I am not. I think the big problem here with third base is you blink and half of the starters are gone. You blink and six are gone in the first four rounds. You know, Jose Ramirez down to Arenado. Dude, then five are left. gone in the first like 15, 16 yes. picks. It, so, so it's like in the first round, midway through the second round, five are gone. And then it's like, get Arenado or you're waiting on Bregman. And then if you don't get Bregman, then you really want Gunnar Henderson. You don't want anybody else after that. Uh, because that's we have the same guys, one through eight. I don't think we have the exact... Do, actually, we do have... No, them. we have a different order. We got... Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we, talk about it. But yeah, so we order. have a little different order, one through eight, but we have the same top eight. And then after that, it gets way different. And I think you can do that. I think everyone in third base is going to have different rankings after the top eight. So third base is really eight guys deep in 15-man leagues. That is 
awful, you know, and, and the rest of these guys are, you're, you're, you're not taking a shot on a guy like Suarez, but he offers some big downside in batting average. And that's not where you want to be, you know, um, yeah. Miranda's a risk that we just talked about. Uh, so you, that's not where you want to be either. And the rest of these guys, I just, they make my stomach queasy. Yeah. But like, so. the, but even worse is like, we're going to go through these, but like even worse that middle, cause there's like three tiers we're talking about. There's the top right. 12 tier, there's the middle tier, and then there's the bottom tier, the bottom tier, it, like Josh Donaldson. Let's talk oh, about Josh Donaldson, man. For a no, Josh. Uh-uh. I mean, you. Let's talk uh-uh. about Josh Donaldson with you, Bogman. Like, you could not quit. I is. Um, I. I don't know if people realize if you're new to this podcast, Josh Donaldson for Bogman was a crutch. Like how Buxton is for me. Like I can't help. Buxton goes past 100. I'm gonna get all squirmy and I'm gonna take him. That's how Donaldson would be with Bogman for years. You gave up. He I think, was a like, deal. He was such a year. deal for for a while. Yeah, I didn't take him. Uh, I yeah. had him in one keeper spot last year. I was done. Now everyone's done. He's probably a deal, quote unquote, now uh, because he's a starter. But like, but you know, uh, you 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 cannot. He's shown you repeatedly, either if it's injury or performance last year too. You cannot count on him. No, at all. Like, so you look at Donaldson, you're like, oh, there's the Yankees third baseman. Oh, no, it's it's really not. Like right. he had. He had um, a hard hit percentage that was the lowest over the last four years and the second lowest of his career. He had a 221 batting average or 222 batting average last year, a lower expected batting average of 215. That's wild. Now, he did do that in 2020 in the in the COVID year, but like this is a 37 year old that is falling apart. And guess what? This team also has guys like Oswald Peraza, Anthony Volpe. That I not I mean those guys are better for middle infield. Glaber Torres, like make a move. Like I don't know why Donaldson is getting a treatment here. They talk about trading Glaber Torres. If I'm this team, go move Glaber to third. Get Donaldson off. Move Glaber to third. Let Peraza be your second baseman, or Volpe, and the other one is your. These third, are your real options. That's why no one wants Josh yeah. Donaldson because if he so, performs bad the first two months, he's going to be booted. So that's my point. Is is it stinks? Yeah. Two other guys. Let's do a quick focus on Yandy Diaz. You know, Yandy Diaz. I am lower on. I haven't thirty. ECR is twenty one. Someone has him as the eighth I third mean, baseman. What is that's got to be a points rank or something? You have him at twenty seven. You're a bit higher, but here's the problem. He's just a Luis Arise, Jeff McNeil clone. He hit nine homers last year. He has. 22 homers over the last two seasons that each had 134 games or more. He doesn't steal, gets a few runs, gets a few RBIs, has a good batting average. He's hit over 296, two of the last three years. That's fun and all, but he's empty. Maybe you're chasing runs. You can get some hits in a points league, but head to head in Roto, he's just not an option. So I just don't see the, the Yandy Diaz thing. I don't, he's big and he's huge. He doesn't get the ball in the air. He just smacks yeah. the ball and he doesn't put up counting stats. He's batting this- average and runs and that's it. And that's for a leadoff hitter. You know, he's not stealing you bases. Like you said, he doesn't have nope. power and he's not getting RBI from the one spot. And he, uh, he played uh, 83 games, I believe uh, hitting leading off last year. So that's probably where he's going to be. It's a lot of the same, like it's fine. It's not going to hurt you, but it ain't going to help you either. No. So, so let me throw this at you then. Here's a, uh, uh, an interesting one is we'll go to Hassan Kim. So it's a Padres camp and Jake Cronenworth had not uh, shown up yet, but they ran. And I'm going to tell you where Tatis played tomorrow on the episode. 
but they ran a drill and they had the full squad out there sans Cronenworth. So they put Alfonso Rivas over at first base, who is a backup non-roster invitee guy. And Hassan Kim was at second base because Cronenworth will be what their first baseman this year. Hassan Kim looks like he could be the guy for them at second base because they've got, you know, Bogarts and Tatis at short. You got Machado at third. I mean, they've got a setup here that Hassan Kim can play the whole year. Now, as a starting anything, no. As a corner, maybe because he qualifies here at third. But I do like Hassan Kim. Of all of these players, like Luis Rangifo, I really liked, but I think he's kind of fallen off. Looks like he's losing playing time. I do like Hassan Kim. 251 average last year, double digit homer and stolen base potential. Uh, bat, proje- bat X projections actually has him hitting more homers in 30 or 22 less games this coming year. And the batting average, it does look like it's going to come down a little bit, but it's such a great team to be around. Also projected like, to hit, lead off. He's projected to lead off on a roster. Really projected right to lead off. Yeah, they got him hitting in front of Soto, Machado, Bogarts. I mean, and who else is going to be the leadoff hitter? Here are your other options, right? Because you're not, I doubt you're moving Soto, Machado, or Bogarts there. I think they're good at two, three, four. Uh, Cronenworth, Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, Austin Nola, Trent Grisham. You know, no. uh, Jose well, Azucar. When Tatis uh, I, is healthy, I think they're going to, I think you could lead off Tatis. Um, you could, yeah. I think that's yeah, what that's they'll true. do, by the way. But either way, Hassan Kim gets that. My whole point is like Hasa Kim is cool. I actually want to draft him, but of all I mean, of then the put bottom him at six, four options, that's you know, the guy. Yeah, put him at six, and then he is knocking in the likes of Machado, Bogarts, and Cronenworth. You know, and if that's where he I'm moves. Low. Apparently, I'm low. You have been 21. I got him at 26, and his ECR is 24. I didn't even realize it, so that's no good. Yeah, Hassan Kim. Can I ask you a question? Why do you hate Hasan? I apparently What's your problem. Him. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. He actually looks like he thinned out a little bit too when I saw him in camp. Looks like he's uh, gotten a little bit better shape. So best shape of his life. Just look out for it. Uh, let's talk about our top 24 Bogman. Give me 24 through 13 on yours. Ooh, I don't like him. It's Rengifo, Luis Urias, Anthony Rendon, Hasan Kim. Justin Turner, Brandon Drury, Josh Young, Ryan McMahon, Jordan Walker, Alec Bohm, Jose Miranda, and Jose Rojas, or Josh Rojas, excuse me, uh, is my number 13. I've got Luis Ulias at 24, DJ LeMahieu at 23, John Birdie, uh, Ryan McMahon at 22, John Birdie at 21, Alec Bohm at 20, Anthony Rendon at 19, Bornass Justin Turner at 18, Matt Chapman at 17, who apparently I hate. Josh Young, Jordan Walker, Brandon Drury, and Eugenio Suarez at 13. You know, the Matt Chapman one has been coming up uh, a decent amount. Uh, well, I will admit his hard hit stuff is absurd. It actually is absurd what he's put up. And he lowered his strikeout percentage. Projections absolutely love him. I'm worried about the batting average. As much as projections love him, Badex has him hitting 224 this year. But they do have him hitting more homers and more RBI, which are great. But he's a close to 30 strikeout percentage guy with no real true hopes, it looks like, of uh, batting average turnaround in not the best hitting context. So it's kind of one of those things. Whenever I see these batting average albatrosses, I just like I'm disinterested. And I guess I sense. lowered him. I lowered him beyond belief because he is an ECR 10. And I think some people view him as like a really viable option. I don't. I've got rookies ahead of him. Brandon Jury might be a little bit stinky. But like he just qualifies at multiple spots and was hitting the yeah. ball hard. Like 
you get more power with Chapman, but I think you get a little bit more of other stuff with Drury and flexibility. But I'm just not a big Matt Chapman guy. Uh, who I've got Chapman like at ten. I, I just think he can hit forty. You know that that's the thing is. I mean, he, just not he could at hit forty. Not at two twenty. But if he yeah, improve, I mean that's yeah. a lot of power though, and you kind of have to keep pace these days. So yeah. and third base sucks. So uh, that's just where we're at. Uh, I don't like anyone. I don't like anyone in this range. I got to be honest. Don't. I don't. I don't want to start these guys. I don't think Josh Rojas steals as many bases as he did last year. Probably doesn't play as many games either. Uh, so that is a concern with him, and I have him uh, at the top of this group here. Uh, Jordan Walker, I'm very intrigued by, which apparently, you know, you would be the highest ranker in the world uh, if this is fixed here. Ooh, um, yeah, oh, yeah. Why is that not uh, fixed? Because I think I, I think that's there. adjustment you made on your sheet and not on Fantasy Pros yet. I think no? that's it. Uh, oh, maybe. You know what? That's well, I did do my update. It's a possibility, but that 16 then he also me. might not be in third baseman on uh, fantasy pros. I nice. might I might have had to wing that. So, oh, OK, uh, yeah, I'm I not think sure he might be. Well, I, I mean, he should be. That's the only position he actually should qualify. at. Yeah. The Jordan Walker. One, it's funny. I've had a lot of people ask me about Jordan Walker. I think of all the rookies, Colas, Vargas, uh, obviously the two top guys, Gunner and Corbin, even some of the pitchers. Andrew Painter, Grayson. He's got the most working against him on the team context because they are loaded at outfielder. You know, they've got Carlson, my boy Newt Bar, who has to be on every single one of my teams, Tyler O'Neill, who looks as jacked as ever, and everyone is expecting a, a bounce back. You also have Juan Yapez out there. And then you got a Jordan Walker who's not on the 40 man. And that's a lot of that's working against him, except the team really has said that they are going to give him this opportunity. They have an advantage for him to break camp with the team and, and start the major league roster with the pick stuff we know. And the guy stole more bases than uh, than he even hit homers, played four levels, including the AFL, like or two levels at two, three levels. He got up to double A. I think it was high A, double A, and then um, and then to the AFL. I think everything is working in his favor to play and be an outfielder on this team or at worst be a version of the DH if they were to make a trade that they've got just so much flexibility that I'm banking he is going to make this team. And this is the type of thing I want. So like I said before, I screw up, you know, I don't get, uh, you know, any of these guys and I just screw this thing up. I don't know if I'm going to be aggressive in that like nine through 12 or 14 territory that I think I'd just probably focus on other stuff and then get me some Jordan Walker and then, you know, give me a Justin Turner. Give me a Rendon. Give me one of those guys. Matt Chapman's well, not going to be there, but let me put that together and make that bet. That's why he needs to be high. And I'm actually surprised his ECR is 27, if we're being honest. I think that's crazy. Well, I think the thing here is, is that, uh, in terms of Walker is there is, he will absolutely not stay here. If you're drafting at the end of March, he's either going to be off boards or he's going to move four rounds up because of what he's doing in spring training. Because if he's crushing spring training, he's definitely making the team and getting a starting spot. They have said, you know, we're giving him the opportunity to make the team in spring. If he's terrible, the first two weeks, he's probably going to triple a for some seasoning. That's kind of where we stand yeah. with Jordan Walker. And that's why I have him at 16. I purposely did it not to put him at 15 because I don't want to take him in any league as a starter. I want him as a CI. I want him as a util, something else. I don't want him as a starter because that's where he is. But if he earns this job, I mean, I just told you, I don't like anybody after Gunnar Henderson. So I could move him all the way up to nine. I wouldn't have yeah. much of an issue of doing that if we know he's making the team. 
But that's also why, like, I like the pairing. Like, Justin Turner is coming cheaper than usual. Uh, Anthony Rendon is coming cheaper than usual. Obviously, there's a lot to not be excited about with, like, Rendon. But those are, like, (laughs) high-contact guys that, you know, if healthy. Justin Turner specifically is one, like, I would specifically pair with Jordan Walker. That it's like, okay, if Walker gets sent down and it's not for an extended period of time, Turner can kind of fill that gap. And it's like, you know, what did you really lose taking Turner and not taking like Drury or, or keep Brian right. Hayes? Or I'd even say Matt Chapman, like you get more homers and stuff, but Justin Turner is going to hit in a prime spot of this uh, Red Sox lineup because it's going to be manufactured across the board. Like where the hell are they have, I'll bet you, let me look, I'll bet you they've got him hitting two right now in this lineup. And uh, let me take a look as I'm pulling this up here. He is four. I'll take four. I'll take four with uh, Yoshida leading off, Enrique to Devers three, and Justin Turner hitting four with those guys. Yoshida, if he gets on base, Devers right in front of him. Like That's a really good backup plan in the context that you've screwed this up. And that's right. what I'm talking about. <laughs> Another thing you'll notice about Mindbogs, of these 12 players, seven of them I'm lower than the um, than ECR on like i'm not higher than a lot of guys who are the guys i'm higher on i'm higher than drury because i guess the flexibility and i'm still a little bit of a believer and the two rookies because i got josh young at 16 so it's like i screwed up i want those here's another fun fact of the top 12 i'm only lower on ecr on three of the top 12 third basemen so that proves my drafting point and then if i screw up at the end get a young guy and get turner and pair that together because there's just not a lot of great options. One guy that kind of sits in this area for me, and maybe we won't focus him on the next one, is Eugenio Suarez. And uh, I've seen him a couple times, by the way. Funny thing at camp, he was not happy about the cold in Arizona. He, uh, <laughs> he was like, what is going on with this? He's like, that's not why we're here. It should be so much warmer. Eugenio, this ain't right. It, yeah. <laughs> of the last four years, if you don't count the COVID year, He's had 31 or more homers, and he had 31 homers two straight years now, but his batting average has stunk. He has been under 240 three of the last four years, and he's been under 205 two of the last three years. Last year, he hit 236, and I think that was a a bit higher because he had a 16-point differential of his average in XBA. His XBA was lower, down to 220. Not good. X-Lug, a little bit lower. X-Woba, a little bit lower. Those things aren't great that like he is proving to be like a 220-ish hitter with an over 30% strikeout rate. I just don't like those guys, and I've proven that. Like, I would rather have Rowdy Telez than I would Eugenio Suarez. And and Rowdy Telez is my, what, 15th third baseman? And Eugenio Suarez for you is like 10 or 9. I got him at 9 right now. Yeah. yeah, and he's my 13th. So that's that's I think that's that's where it really proves what this spot is. I don't want these guys. We could sit and break I down. Don't, yeah, I don't players. want them either. Yeah, I don't want to do it. I have a nine and I don't want them. You know, and that's what I said. It's one through eight and then everybody else at third base, which is why you've seen me so many times grab Machado in the second round and a lot of my mock drafts because I don't want to screw around, uh, screw around with this position. It's just yeah. not my thing. Let's I get agree. it so and, let's, and get it done with. And yeah. let's talk about the top 10 where you really need to be uh, putting this, you know, this roster together. Uh, top 12, I mean. At 12, I've got Josh Rojas. Yeah, Homer. Blue. 11, I got Key Brian Hayes. 10, Jose Miranda. Max Muncie at 9. And then the 8 are the same grouping, just different pairing. I got Gunner at 8, Bregman at 7, Arenado at 6, Devers at 5, Machado at 4, Riley at 3, 
Bobby Witt at two and Jose Ramirez at one. Uh, for me, I've got Hayes at 12, then Muncy, Chapman, Suarez, my top eight, Joe Gunner, Bregman, Arenado, Riley, Devers, Machado, Witt, and Jose Ramirez at one. So probably one of the biggest things that stands out for me is I am in on Austin Riley this year. Uh, love Machado. I think some, uh, it is a contract here. Technically I would say there's some distractions and with Machado. Whatever. He, he's a little bit different. I would say his demeanor is a little bit different at camp this year than it was what, last is he year. Not a dick. No, he's more of a dick this year. Um, no, he wasn't, he was actually much great moods last year. Um, he had a talk with the media about he's already said that he is opting out of the contract and we're going to see where that goes. I can't imagine they can afford him. It doesn't change like who he is. The team is so powerful. The stolen bases are also on lock, but just to focus on Austin Riley for a minute, Austin Riley's baseball savant page is what dreams are made of. It is 96, 95% uh, percentile across the board, like barrel, X-Woba, average X-Velocity, hard hit, x like he, uh, he has an incredible spray chart, very pull heavy, but still hits him. Uh, he's still got some opposite field home runs. I think I'm looking at seven of them that are out there. Um, in the top percentile of the X-Velocity average, 92.5% totally gets me going in a great team context with Ronald Acuna in there, a healthy Aussie Albies. Austin Riley in my eyes, didn't do anything to dissuade who he is as a hitter. And he hit 38 homers this past year expected was like one less. I think Austin Riley is a perennial 35 plus homer guy. You could argue Devers is a better hitter. You could argue Manny Machado has some of the stolen bases. I think Austin Riley is going to come back and just put up a 35, 100, 100 with high batting average. And I'm going to play that. He hit 273 this past year, 93 RBI, 90 runs. And I think he's going to beat some of those. And Austin Riley is my bet for some of the hard hit, but it's not an easy, easy decision because like we said, the top four, it's a four third baseman in the top 15 picks. And if I don't get one of those other guys, sure, I would love to get Devers if I miss out on Riley. But I think Riley comes a little bit cheaper. And if I were to have like, let's say the fourth pick in a draft and I were to get uh, judge or something like that, I could come back and I think I can get 35 plus more homers out of Austin Riley in the later half of the second round. Cause I believe, let me take a look here. I think he has an, yeah, he's ECR five and I have him at three. So he's going behind Machado behind Devers. And I think some of my rank is about my draft habits as well. And I would take him and I'm just a very, very big fan. And most projection systems agree lowest on homers surprise bat X, but it's still 32 and uh, 90, 90. So give me Austin Riley all day. And I'm just very high on him. I don't really have a preference. I got to say between Machado Devers and, and Riley, I, I think they're somewhat interchangeable. I think Machado's the safest. So I have him at three. Then I, I think, uh, Devers is just maybe a little safer in floor. So I have him at four at worst Riley team at five, context but, though. Let's point that out. The worst team of that group for sure here is definitely the team that is around Devers. Even if you throw Arenado in there a hundred percent, I completely agree with that. I, I just, you know, it almost depends on what I took in the first round on what I, which of those third basemen I want, because if I took Freddie Freeman, I have that super high floor. Give me Riley all day, every day. Riley can climb up to 40 homers and, and no one would bat an eye. So I think I pair him with a guy like Freddie Freeman. If I went a little riskier or maybe took a pitcher or whatever, 
then I, I want Machado. And in most cases, I think I want Machado. So that's why I have him at three. But three, four, and five, that I do not care who is top of your list. They're all great options. Yeah, I do find it tough to pass on Machado for Riley sometimes because, I mean, everything I just said about Riley, I mean, Machado was 100-100 and he did steal some bases, had a lower strikeout percentage. But, you know, there's a big powerhouse of a team that's around him. And I, I it's just like a personal feel. I feel like the stolen bases Don't are going to come down this dead. year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have a great picture with him. He's always been really nice to me, but he definitely mm. there's a demeanor change that's going around that camp. There's also like a leadership difference. If you remember last year, this is Machado's team. Now you just threw Nelson Cruz, who I have this picture I tweeted out. Nelson Cruz was holding court with him and Bogarts like Nelson Cruz is holding. like the last player that's older than you, right? Uh, I think so. I think than me, than you, you old. Ass also, I'm older than you. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You old. I just ass. mean you in in context of you're out there. Yeah, a hundred percent. And he is. And, um, but that's like, you know, what does that mean? I don't know, but like Tatis is back and Bogarts is there and Nelson Cruz is kind of becoming a leader in like Machado. I, I, there's a part of me that when I look at the situation, of Machado, it, I think it feels like he just wants to go and he wants to lock in a team. Like, I don't know if this team is still for him, but it's a contract type of year too. So if you're going to opt out, you're not going to, I don't want to play it out. Like he's going to have this down year or anything like that. I just prefer a little bit, I think, the big hard hit power. Like me prioritizing the couple stolen bases that I get out of Machado is actually a little bit more Nolan Void than what I think. I mean, I think Austin Riley could push 40 homers this year. So uh, very, very big on him. You really get into like a difficult situation after this. Like keep Brian Hayes, no Ugh. power. Stolen bases are cool. No thanks. He, Pirate. I always, I was a defender of him. Like, oh, this is a guy, if he just starts putting the ball in the air, the way but he, he put on muscle, but he never put on happens. Muscle. It never happens. So I don't know why it's going to start happening. If it does, okay, great. Because he but put on not. muscle, best shape of his life. Well, nothing. No, no, no. I'm. Yeah. I, I have no interest. I don't think I've ever drafted him. You know, I feel <laughs> about Miranda. Rojas is rough. I don't want Rojas as my starting third baseman. I like no. him because he steals bases, but I still feel rough about that. Gunner is a really interesting one though, because Gunner, Gunner's the last rookie, one I'd say I want. But it's still, you feel a little bit weird about it as putting that situation as a rookie. Uh, most projection systems don't really, I mean, ATC. ATC has a really good feel for him. 20 homers, 11 stolen bases, 253. You're going to take that at third base, and you're going to feel really Absolutely. good about that post-75. Bad X is not going to make you feel good about it, but obviously we know traditionally how they feel about rookies. And I mean, honestly, do you like, you know, when we were talking with Cardi about it, like the idea of the track record still hitting maybe as a whole, but I don't know if the track record really worked for bot like, like breaking down who Bobby Witt as a hitter was the bad X might've been right about, but like he put up insane stats. And Cardi was even like, yeah, well he had really good fantasy stats. Well, that's what matters. Like, so I don't <laughs> yeah, know. If that's the what we top, want. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if like the top end of the rookies, they really hit well. And Gunnar Henderson is one of those guys. So like, I like ATC's projections. You feel really good about it, but, you know, how is he going to adjust? Um, and that's why I'm bigger in on, on, on that. That's why I'm bigger on the team context, too, is is there a good team around this player? Because, you know, at the end of the day, we can look at all the advanced stats we want. If you take the greatest hit in their history of baseball and stick him in the middle of the Pirates lineup, he's not he's not driving in a lot of runs and he's not being driven in because the of the lineup around him. So that that stuff matters. So, you know, you know, it's interesting about you saying that bottom line. That's that, what we want. That actually kind of feels like uh, an Arenado conversation because if one thing, if you look, 
of the top eight third basemen, you've got three that have questionable team context. And then the others just have great teams around them. Like Bobby Witt's a question. Gunner's a question. And I think we have to admit the Devers is a question, but Machado Devers and Arenado is sitting there with the Cardinals where last year he hit 30 homers, had a hundred RBI, almost hit 293, almost 300 lowered his strikeout percentage, raised his walk percentage, uh, runs were down a bit, but he played a full seat. He is, this is amazing. This is amazing. Since 2015, he's never played less than 148 games and he has never played under a hundred games in his entire career. Arenado. So he's also locked down there and that team was rocking. There is some good support around there to just jump into those RBIs. So like Arenado just feels boring and feels like you kind of like missed the run. I think that's what's tough about him. You're like, ah, oh, damn it. I miss Devers. I miss Machado. I want to get Devers, but or Arenado, but Arenado is a good option. Kind of like how, you know, I think we know who Bregman is there, but I mean, look at what that I mean, is you, after the eighth, first, uh, eighth, third baseman, like team context know, with Bregman too. You, you can throw him in there, although he's had some injury stuff uh, in the past and, and Arenado is not, which is why Arenado's ahead of more power for Arenado as well. Uh, but uh, th those guys are kind of, you know, uh, same player at a different level. I would say Arenado's obviously the better player, but great team context for him too. But like you said, after those eight, ugh, you know, ugh. I can tell you too, dude, I kind of think I may be wrong. I'm <laughs> fine to be wrong. Fine to be wrong about whatever guys, but like kind of think, NFBC people and maybe like deep league context people and like in the weeds people are going to kind of make you f, f up third baseman this year, because I feel <laughs> like those are the people that are like, okay, you know, everyone's saying it's deep, but let me tell you about Wilmer floor. Like when you draft 50 rounds of players and you hit on one, like I feel like the deeper league people, people are going to try to be like, everybody's mantra is third base kind of stinks, but let me tell you, it's like, no, don't tell them because it does stink. Scott white has been pretty adamant about like, Hey, listen, you know, you don't want to worry about positions in drafts a ton, but you really got to get out of it in third base. And I think some people push back on that sometimes. And I think a lot of the like higher NFBC type of stuff might, I'm not saying everybody, but I think you might get some of that from some of those people. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's great. Well, if you're doing like, draft and hold, you have 50 rounds too. So you can throw more darts. Yeah. Well, like to feel like you really like, Oh man, I'm, I'm gaming the system. All these losers that are spending high capital on their, their third baseman and their closers. And I'm sitting here reaping the benefits. Yeah, but those are good players. Josh too. young and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not great. Like, look at how different, if we talk about RPV, I, I have the book here. I wrote some in it. Yeah. Uh, I should look and see what the RPV is on third baseman. It's gotta be wild. On the yeah. return value, Joe Pizapia, by the way, you can check out the Fantasy Black Book on Amazon, all the places. I wrote a whole bunch of profiles. He said, by the way, it is pacing to, to destroy last year. So we talked about that today. Yeah. yeah. As I uh, spanked him four times in Madden. But uh, yeah, but, but the point is, it's like the, the, the replacement value. It's just not the same. Even if yeah. someone's going to hit, there's going to be someone that will have been the whole time. They'll be like Ramon. Urias is blah blah blah, and then they'll they'll have a million tweets and they'll retweet them because Ramon and you'll hit one of those. But the amount like that Alec Bohm is going to return versus Arenado, or that you know you really think there's going to be a big separate a small separating gap between. Well, I got you know uh, Ryan McMahon at 22, and look at what Alex Bregman did. I don't think that exists. You, you're going to be able to do that at shortstop. You're going to be able to do that at first base. Rowdy Telez 
versus maybe what uh like give me a name here let me look at the first base rowdy toes versus matt olsen might actually be a small a, a gap that looks small it's not gonna happen at third base unless something blows up and goes crazy so i would say you could take your chances on the rookies and maybe that's where the wins are going to happen. And then some of the deeper league people are going to tell you it is. But the position stinks. And I do think you should pay attention to it. Do you need to panic? Do you need to freak out? No. Draft your guys. I, I don't I don't want to ignore runs and stuff like that. But like, if you don't pay attention and active about third, there's only so much you can do, by the way. Because what have I been talking about all year, Boggs? Oh, outfield, outfield. Closer, closer. Like, there's only so much you can do, but you should pay attention to outfield. You should pay attention to closers, and you should pay attention to third baseman a little bit Here, extra than everything else. Here's my last question: it is now, and we've seen this from many lists, and we've seen it in drafts that we've done. Jose Ramirez going number one because of the position stuff here, because no. those guys all will probably go go before you have your second pick if you're picking first overall. Uh, so is that a strategy? Like, do you hate that because you're not taking the best player at that spot or are you yeah. kind of on board with it? Like maybe it's not your strategy, but you completely understand it because of third base. Oh, I completely, I wouldn't hate anybody that did okay. it. I wouldn't. Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, but I it, definitely not something I, that you would do 12 team. Definitely not. Cause I think I have a decent chance to get Austin Riley, a 15 team. It's a lot tougher. Like, if you are worried about the position and you take Acuna, you might have to take Arenado on that wheel turn where you might want to be a you might want to be a, a jerk and take those closers or something like that. Again, your draft isn't over. You can make do with this type of stuff, but it's about it's about like the replacement value that you can get, and it's about the work that you're willing to put into that position. And just third base isn't there. Will other guys maybe play it? Sure. Will will a couple guys work out? Will Anthony Rendon bounce back? Well, DJ LeMayhew find power again. Those things can happen. And Jose Ramirez has has the potential to be the number one player anyway. So it's yeah. not like he he's a ripoff of that. You're not necessarily buying him just for his positional eligibility, but it's it's the biggest bonus uh, of taking him one. That's for sure. Yeah, it, and it, it's really just about that team construction. Like I said, if we are putting keep Ryan, if keep Ryan Hayes is your eleventh or twelfth or you know, ECR 13th third baseman compared to Rowdy Telez being the 15th or 17th first baseman. Like there's, there's a clear difference in there. So just pay attention to it. Maybe you want to put a little bit more priority. That would be my opinion. If, especially if you got kind of one of those mid picks, you got to pick it like four, five, six, coming back in the second round, you got a decent shot to get a Riley or Devers. I think you should pay attention to it. Even when pitchers are on the board, I really would look at even passing up those pitchers for those third basemen. If you don't think you're going to be able to make this third base context goes and friends, that is corner infielders. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully we did some breakdowns that made sense, giving you guys an idea of our ranks, which you can get over at in this league.com. If you guys want to sign up, check out our ranks. They will be updated March 1st and we'll update them every week in March as well. And they'll be uh, sent to your inbox on the Patreon. So hopefully you guys want to check that out coming up tomorrow. Middle infielders get a little nugget on Tatis and we'll talk about your second which also isn't super great and your shortstops, which is probably the deepest position in all of fantasy. We'll be talking about those tomorrow. We got outfielders, starting pitchers and an overall rank five episodes this week. Jesus. It's crazy. If you guys have enjoyed the podcast, maybe drop a rate and review wherever you can. If you can do it, find us on the Patreon and uh, follow us on Twitter. Is it the Welsh Bogman sports? Dude, I got po I got tagged. We were talking about this off air and then we're going to get out of here that John boy thing. I posted mm -hmm. a picture on John boy. 
it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me because they tagged me in the tweet. Like I'm a part of it. I am getting every single like comment and retweet on my feed and they turn it off for the night. I got to turn it off. I got to unfollow it somehow because it is blowing up. And here's the worst part about it. They took a picture of DeGrom and Greg Maddox together that I had. And they said, you can't find another duo, a better duo. So guess what? (laughs) Every single comment is a better duo. DeGrom, uh, DeGrom and Maddox will have the same innings this year. Better. Here's the number one comment. DeGrom and the IL is a better duo. It is every comment. I thought you're going to get like Burt and Ernie. You know, I thought you're going to get like better combos. You I'm know, getting like maybe actual comment. combos. I got to be, I get these. I mean, I appreciate, I'm at least they, they stole you my picture credit. at least yeah, put yeah. my credit on there. It didn't retweet me or anything, but at least they did that, but I'm getting everything. So good Lord. All right, friends. <laughs> thank you guys for hanging out with us. Long one. It's going to be a long one for the rest of the week. Hopefully you guys enjoy all the stuff and the things. We'll be back again tomorrow. It's ITL. We're out of here. Oh my God. We got to go. Bye. See you.